have your Bibles with you, go ahead and get them out. Bible apps, open them up. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't know where Ephesians is, you'll have time before I read it. Start in Genesis. Sorry, that's the first book. Go right. And you'll have it in about 15 minutes. All right, Ephesians chapter 4. I want to share with you today a, a new message, a little different type of message. I'm calling it Church Checkup. All right, Church Checkup. We're, gonna, we're here to, to have our annual checkup today. Everybody ready for that? <laughs> and so um, you, you understand when, um, when I use the word church, uh, we're not talking about the, the structure that we're meeting in today. I'm not talking about the building. That's really not an accurate description, even though that's common in our vernacular today. Uh, this is just a building. The church is you, right? The church is us. The church is the people of God, the called out ones getting together in, a, in, a, in an assembly like this. That's what I'm talking about. So that's what the, that's what the checkup involves, all right? Um, I recognize... That the church being in a good place is dependent on individuals who make up the church being in a good place. If you are doing well on a personal level and there are, you know, a large number of us doing well, then we could say the church is healthy. The church is strong. The church is what it's supposed to be. Uh, how many recognize we're not going to have an, uh, a, a large number of people who are, quote, sick, and I'm not talking physically necessarily, but are, quote, sick, and then we say, oh, but the church is doing great. <laughs> the church is strong. The church, the church is healthy. No, really, it, it's, it's us individually. We all, we're not going to have a strong church with a bunch of weak people, Right? And so what kind of people do we want to be? What, what, kind of, what kind of church do we want to be? Not just what do we want to have or just what do, what, do we want to, what do we want to do, but a little bit deeper than that. What kind of people are we? And therefore, when we talk about life church, what kind of place is this? I mean, is it, uh, is it, is it a healthy place? Is it a, is it, is it a strong place? I, I recognize that... If God has sufficiently influenced my life to the point of making it like Him, then I'm better off. I'm better off the more like Him uh, that I am. Um, when I am like Him, meaning like Him, not in, in the sense of, of spiritual position, but practice, how I act, how I think, how I, what motivates me, all that kind of stuff. If I am like him, then others are going to be attracted to him through me. Right? Likewise, if, if you are like him, then we will have a greater influence on the world around us here in the Treasure Valley. Yeah? Uh, we're called in Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, his ambassadors. Yeah? We're from one land, we live in another land representing the home country. 
Yeah, we are a part of his family. We are, in essence, representing heaven while we're here on the earth. So the better we do that, the better opinion others who are not yet citizens of heaven, they will have of our king, of that place. They get a picture of what heaven's like by looking at you. Amen. <laughs> that might sound exciting and that might sound frightening. Uh, nevertheless, it is God's choice. It was his design that he would be represented secondhand, if you will. Meaning we, people don't physically see the Lord, but they do see you and they see his work in you. Yeah. And so if, uh, you know, God had his way, it is in his best interest in expanding his heavenly kingdom, in more people taking advantage of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, it's in his best interest if you're doing well. If you're happy, full of love, forgiveness, right, joy, if you're healthy physically, it serves God's purposes. If you are, you know, blessed and prosperous, he looks better because you're from his country representing heaven on the earth. And when you and I are doing well, like I said, others are attracted to him. It's an attractive life. It's a desirable position to be a citizen of heaven. Praise God. So my goal then is to be very highly influenced by him all the days of my life. And hopefully the longer I live, the more I'm a better ambassador. I'm a better representative of him, his character, his will, his blessing, his power, all that he is. I mean, think about it for a moment. If you were visiting Life Church today, and I recognize that some of you are, and so we're aware of you. So, but the rest of you who are not, if you were visiting Life Church today, and, and you came in, and everyone you saw was grumpy, right? Looked a little bit annoyed, maybe ticked off, sad, bored out of their brain. You know know what I'm talking about? And you came in and looked around at all the people because, by the way, visitors don't listen. Uh, The rest of you, they are looking at us. Because we are what life church is. And if we have all these negative characteristics, I mean, (laughs) why would you want to be a part of that? I mean, would you? Would you come out of that place, of that place of grumpy, you know, critical people, and, and say, I'm coming back next week. In fact, I'm going to invite my family. I think we'll fit right in here. <laughs> These people are as miserable as I am. <laughs> no, but when, just the opposite, opposite is the case. When people see the joy of the Lord, and they see friendliness, they see love, and, and, and all that kind of stuff, that our lives have really been altered. Um, then it's attractive. It's desirable to be a part of something that's going to add to your life instead of, you know, once a week, let's show up and get the life sucked out of us. <laughs> then we'll go back to, uh, back to Monday through Friday. <laughs> and so our goal, you know, our goal as a church is not, not just to be a big church. Our goal is to be a healthy church. All right. I, I believe that when we are healthy, when we're quote, you know, like an engine firing on all cylinders, when we're all doing well in regards to life and our relationship with God and His blessings flowing not only to us but through us, um, then 
then growth takes care of itself. Then a lot of attacks, a lot of problems that are inherent in this natural world, a lot of things just kind of bounce off us because we're just in a healthy place. And, and so I want to I do that, all right? I want to I take a look at this. And, and, and in everything we discuss, I want you to consider not just us, but on an individual basis. Because like I said, we're, the church is the gathering of God's people, but individually we have to be strong, all right? And, and if we'll all see it that way, we can all go up together. I was, I was thinking about what characterizes a sick person, some of the attributes of a physically sick person versus a physically healthy person. And, and I began to, to, to consider that a sick person is often a weak person. All right, they lack physical strength to do the things that a healthy person can do. Um, a, a, a sick person is often confined. They're limited. They might be confined to a bed or a house or a hospital room for that matter. Whereas a healthy person is free. They're able to go. They're able to do. They're able to, um, to, to be wherever they want to be. A sick person is, is often needy. They need the assistance of others because of their limitation of their physical problem, whereas a, a healthy person is able to help others. Yeah? Um, a, a sick person is often in pain, where a healthy person is enjoying comfort. A sick person is many times self-focused, not because of a, a heart issue per se, but you know, if every time you wake up, your knee hurts, what are you, who are you thinking about? <laughs> Yourself. You're thinking about that pain, that problem that seems to be ever-present. But when it's not there, when, you know, when your body is healthy, you hardly even think about your body. From, in many regards, you're able to be outward-focused. You're able to think about others. Um, a, a sick person is very often idle. They don't do much. They're limited. Uh, whereas a healthy person is active, they're they're engaged, they're involved, they have an active life. On a mental side, thinking about mental health versus um, uh, mental, you know, mentally not healthy. Just say, just say it that way. A person could be depressed versus happy. A person could be dissatisfied in their life versus content. All right, and hopefully you're considering all these things on an individual level, but then on a church level, and thinking about what a healthy church looks like. See, a person could be angry, or they could be calm. They could be bored, or they could be having fun. They could be unstable. If they're not mentally healthy, they're considered unstable sometimes, versus a stable, a steady person. In regards to our church, do we want to be weak and confined and needy and in pain and self-focused and idle? Do we, do we want to be depressed and dissatisfied, angry, bored, and unstable? <laughs> or would a good picture of health be strong and free and able to help others and comfortable and, and selfless and active and happy and content and calm and fun and steady? Yeah? And you can see some of these things that would describe an individual can also and should also describe a church body. What do we want to look like? What do we want to be like? Amen. Did anybody find Ephesians chapter 4? If you haven't yet, give up. You got the Bible without that book, I guess. 
Ephesians chapter 4, notice with me in verse 11. Ephesians 4, 11. And he himself, that's talking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up, in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, th- these words, much was said there, I know. Uh, these, these passages describe a church that's healthy. All right, They describe a church that's doing the right things with what they've been given. They are connected to the five-fold ministry, not, not, not just you know, doing it on their own. Um, they, they are doing the work of ministry. They're not just looking for a, a few hand-selected individuals to do the ministry. They are doing it. Uh, these are people who are growing and are being edified. They are, they are strengthened. They're not getting worse. They're getting better. Not getting weaker. They're getting stronger. Yeah? W- would you consider yourself on an individual basis to be a person who is growing? Are you a growing individual? Would you, could you look back at your last six months, the last year of your life, and say, uh, I'm in a better place now than I was on, on, a, on a personal level, meaning... I'm, I've grown since then. Grown what? Maturity. You know, uh, strength. Knowledge of God. Relationship with God. Ability to forgive people. Um, your, your love walk. Your, the way you treat other people. You know, there's a lot of factors there. But would you just, would you be able to say, yes, I'm a, I, I, I've grown as, a, as an individual. I know that's not always the case. And if I were to say, hey, everybody, all the growers, lift up your hand. Uh, I recognize that there would be some, if you were honest, you would not lift up your hand. And you recognize that. I'm not here to beat you up. Uh, But probably all of us at different times, we could look back in our life and say, you know, there was a period, even if you're in a good place right now, there was a period in my life where I actually didn't get stronger. I was getting weaker. I I wasn't doing better. I wasn't growing. It's like I was in reverse. Okay, and I understand there may be some in that present state today. You're actually going the wrong direction. You're not better off. You're worse off over the last six months or the last year. Uh, and so we want to turn around. That's why we're doing a checkup. Okay, we're not here to knock anyone over the head and say, why don't you start growing? But we do want to analyze and ask, what are you doing that's causing you to grow or not grow? Or why are you the same as you've been for five years? I mean, you're, I don't mean you're a bad person. You're, you're saved. You're going to heaven. But seriously, you haven't grown for a while. Amen. I've got no response. Well, maybe minimal response <laughs> on that. Uh, but I think it's a good thing for us to ask. Are we growing? I'm asking this as a pastor because I'm in charge of something here. The Lord gave me an assignment. And, I gotta, and if the Lord says, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you growing? 
Meaning, is the church growing? And growth is a number of different things, and even in a church, it's not just the number of people in the seat. Lots of different ways that we grow, but uh, if we're healthy, we are. And if we're not, then we're not. And if a person is not growing on an individual level, could it be a health problem? Hmm? How many know if if you were to look at a child physically, and a child that was two years old, three years old, four, five, six, seven, eight, and at some point your child is not keeping up with whatever might be average or something at school, and all of a sudden everyone else is far more developed and far more you know, physically and mentally and everything else, you would say, uh, something's not right here. There's something off. There's something, something that's not working correctly. That would be true spiritually. We're designed to grow and to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Amen. You may not get physically stronger throughout your life. You know, if you die at 100, you're probably not going to be benching, you know, heavy weight and <laughs> stuff like that. But spiritually, you should be at your strongest point at the end of your life. Yeah? Closer to the Lord. Nicer. You ever heard of grumpy people? You know, they say, wasn't there a movie called Grumpy Old Ben? I don't think I saw the movie, so I can't comment. But, you know, that idea that someone, when they get older, they get grumpy. That should not have anything to be any kind of description of our lives. If you're, a, if you're a believer and you know the Lord and you walk with Him, it should get better and better. Better and better. Amen. I think of a healthy church as being strong and active and giving and outward focused and selfless and freeing. Yeah? Whereas a, an unhealthy church is weak and idle. People aren't doing anything. They're, uh, it's a church that's, that's um, an unhealthy church is inward focused. It's the, it's the, it's all about me mentality, yeah. Um, they're controlling. They're like I said. They're boring. They're they're unstable. Um, but I can see this now. Now that I've painted that picture to some degree, a healthy experience is connected to a healthy practice. I can do things in my life that lead me towards greater strength and greater health and vitality, or I can do things that just basically suck the life out of me and people around me. And, 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 and so that's what I want to kind of look at. How, how do people act in a good place and a bad place? If we were to and think about church now as a whole, uh, it, the gathering of the saints, if we were to go into an unhealthy church, what would that feel like? What would, that, what, what, what would that be conducive of for our own lives? Or if we were to go into a healthy church, what would be more likely to happen there? Okay? I think of it almost, almost like a greenhouse. If you go into a, a good environment, you almost can't help but grow. I mean, there's still personal choices in there. But I want the, the, the atmosphere of our church to be such that when people come in, there's like a, a motivation. There's a natural thing. It's like, man, I feel like I'm closer to the Lord when I get in here. And I'm just kind of moved to, to act different, to live different, to think different. Whereas if you had an unhealthy place, you get in there and you just kind of shrivel up and dry up. There are different components that make that the case. You know, like 
And when you talk about an individual with physical health again, how many know if someone's a worrier, a worrier, they are likely to have physical problems? Yeah, if they don't now, they probably will. It's just these, these things are connected. Um, what do healthy people do? I'm thinking about verse 16 now again. Ephesians 4, verse 16. It says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. The whole body, this is a picture of this healthy group. Things are going well. The whole body, they are joined and knit together. God's design is not that we would just have a relationship with him, just a vertical relationship, but that also we would have horizontal relationships. And we would actually be knit together. Knit. Do we have any knitters in the house? Any? No one's acknowledging it. All right. Mac, I know you knit. Sorry, I'm sorry for exposing, exposing you in front of everybody. Uh, <laughs> I don't knit, and I wouldn't tell you if I did. But I can get an image of the yarn and how it's intertwined and, and comes together. And how many know if you pull apart, you can't just pull that apart easily. It's connected. This is what the body of Christ is designed to look like. We are very close and intertwined with one another. And when the enemy comes to try to divide and pull us apart, that's a tough task. That's a difficult thing to do. But the question would go to this. If you could be easily pulled apart, pulled out, pulled away from the, the rest of the body, then you're not joined and knit together then you're in an unhealthy place. You're likely to be sabotaged by the enemy's plans. The fact is, is we are stronger and we are healthier when we are together. And what I mean together is in three ways, spirit, soul, and body. We're joined together in Christ by being saved. We're joined together in our soul, meaning we have emotional and social connections with one another. We, ha- we, we, we care for one another, that kind of thing. There's, a, there's an engagement. But even, even body, we're connected because we are physically in the same place at the same time. How many know even in the age of, of technology and the internet and we're live streaming this service right now and we're thankful for what it can produce and those who can be away and still participate. But God's best design is that we be in proximity with one another. That we literally, physically get together with the rest of the body. So many things in the kingdom of God only happen when you're in the same room. You're in the same place. There is that that relational connection there. Never let, no matter what technology does, never let it be uh, true in your life that you just separate physically thinking as long as I can observe or watch, that's enough. No, that's just a small part of it there is so much to be valued and uh anyway we're better when we're together uh i've recognized over the years as a pastor that i have a higher opinion of other pastors when i spend time time with them 
I don't know, I don't know if you realize this from a, from a ministerial side, um, that the enemy tries to divide the body of Christ. There's a wicked, ugly, mean devil out there, and he wants the body of Christ to be limited in ability and power and unity, and he seeks to divide. I mean, I think just logic tells us that when God started this whole thing called the church, when Jesus said, I will build the church, I will build my church, the gates of hell won't prevail against it, that it wasn't in his mind that we would be all separated in different groups. What I mean by that, sometimes you have to do that physically, but that there would be this part of the body and they believe this. And there would be this part of the body and they're a part of this denomination and this other part's a part of this other group and this part's... and, And they're all kind of a little bit rubbing each other the wrong way. You know, I don't agree with this group and I don't agree with this group. How many know that wasn't God's plan? That's a seed of the enemy sown into the body of Christ so we wouldn't be as strong as we could be. Amen. We're all going to the same heaven. (laughs) So giddy up, let's get over it. (laughs) But the enemy sometimes works that way even in pastors' lives where they feel like they're in in opposition or, or competition with other churches and we're all preaching the same gospel. But again, here 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 was my point. I have found that I have a greater respect for other pastors, even in our own area, that may have different variations of secondary doctrines than I do. But when I'm with them, I have a greater appreciation for them. I see, wow, you love, you love God just as much, almost as much as me. <laughs> or maybe more than me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think you're really endeavoring to serve God, to follow Him and fulfill the call on your life just like I am doing. And for us to entertain, even for a moment, this idea of superior, inferior, or, or anything like that, that's just, that's just the devil trying to divide. The body needs to be together. But likewise, it is true even within local churches. You know the enemy will lie to you all day long about someone else in the church? Tell you, this is what they think about you, this is what they say, this is, and all kinds of thoughts that are divisive in nature. Basically, he's trying to unravel the knitting. And if you've never really been knit together, joined together, connected, then you're going to be easily pulled apart. Amen. I just, I just, I just think a better way to, to, to do all this is, uh, you know, when we recognize his lies and his thoughts, and if someone's being a conduit of that, you know, kind of like, hey, did you hear what so-and-so said? Did you hear what this person did? Did you hear it? It's like, no, and shut up. <laughs> I mean that in a nice way, but shut up. Are you, are, should you be talking to them about it? Why don't you go directly to them? Have you even prayed for them? Or are you just talking about them? Because we don't believe in that stuff. You, don't, you see, it's the enemy trying to pull us apart. We don't want to be pulled apart. Say, so what about when people do stupid things? I'm a pastor. I'm well aware of, of stupidness. And people, I've given my whole life to help people stop doing stupid. Yeah, and myself too. <laughs> yeah, but we do it with love and grace and mercy and not spreading things. That's the enemy, how he divides. Anyway, when we're apart, it's just easier to believe the negative reports. When we're apart, it's easier to believe someone has a wrong motive when they really don't. Um, the devil's a liar. 
I, I was reading over in uh, in the book of Judges. There's there's this city over there called Laish. You probably, if you've read the book of Judges, you probably skipped right on past this. But this is this is very interesting um, about Laish. It's talking about the children of Dan. You don't need to turn there, but it's Judges 18, verse 27. It, it reads, "So they took the things." Micah had made and and the priest who had belonged to him and went to Laish to a people quiet and secure and they struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire. There was no deliverer because it was far from Sidon and they had no ties with anyone. Consider why this city was struck with the edge of the sword, why it was burned with fire. It was simply because they're all out there on their own. They're hanging out. They were far from Sidon, and they didn't have any connections, any ties with anyone. What happens when a person is closer to others? What happens when a person has ties with other parts of the family? Well, when they're attacked, the family steps up. Those who are close to you, those who are connected, step up, and they become your defender. They become your deliverer. They're there to help. And you can see how the enemy wants to isolate people, even if they're attending a church. You know, it can be possible for a person to attend a church like ours and still be somewhat separate, isolated, disconnected. Here's what I mean. You can disappear and no one will ever know it. You could be under major attack. You could be going through a really hellish time in your life and there are hundreds and hundreds of people who would be glad to step up and help you and pray for you and lift you up, but they just don't know you're, doing, you're going through anything. I know when the, when the church was small, see I've been pastor of a small church I've been pastor, and every year I'm pastor of a larger church because the church has grown every year since we've started. And it keeps getting bigger and bigger. But I can remember the days when I would stand up to, uh, I would stand up to preach, and I could, I could see all the people, you know, all the people, <laughs> and uh, and I can say, hey, where's where's so and so today? And I'm thinking in my mind, hey, that family's not here, and there's a new person there, and <laughs> you know, and it's just small enough you can kind of wrap your mind around everyone. And if someone was gone, you know, and every someone else would know. Oh, yeah. So and so, they're on vacation this week, and 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 then so and someone else would say, "Oh yeah, this person, they, I mean, they had a blow up in their house, and they had this and this problem, and it was easier to know, to pray for people, to reach out, to help them, and then the church got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and sometimes it's a it's a difficult thing because I know we don't all know each other on a personal level, but sometimes you think, hey. I was thinking about so-and-so the other day, and I haven't seen him for a long time. And someone else will speak up and say, yeah, uh, I don't think they've been here for six months. Really? Wow, that's too bad. And, uh, and often what, what's the case is, is no one knows, so no one can help. No one can be there. But the sad thing, and it's not a hard issue, it's they're not, they weren't even missed. You know why they weren't missed? It's because they weren't connected. There was no relationships. They were an attender. And they weren't involved. They weren't on any teams. They weren't in any, any, in any life groups. There was no relationships. And here's my point. I think that's the way the devil wants it to be. Not God. I think when we're a healthy family, 
when we're healthy individually, we're connected to other people. I don't mean we're all going to know everybody. No, but there should be some connections. We're just better off. We're stronger. We're more protected. Here's a word from Judges 18. Stay close. Establish ties with people. That's a healthy practice. Healthy people are not isolated. Healthy church members are not isolated all on their own, but they've let other people into their lives. Someone else knows them. They know them. Amen. You know, in the early church, in Acts chapter 4, they were threatened for preaching the gospel. The religious folks were very much not happy with them preaching the gospel, preaching the Lord Jesus. They threatened them. And when they, they were let go, the Bible says in Acts 4 and 23, and being let go, they went to their own companions. Aren't you glad they had companions? Sometimes today, when people are threatened or when they go through a real big challenge in their life, there's no one they can go to. Why? Because, well, maybe all the people they know at work or people in their own family, they might not even be serving God. So they can only help on a natural level. But we are a spiritual family. We should have our own companions. Amen. I told you, I told you a while back, I was, I, was, I was at the gym one day, and someone came up to me and, and said, Hey, Pastor Mark, what's going on? I said, Hey, I didn't recognize the individual, which is fine. And, uh, and I said, Well, I, I just assumed. I said, How long have you been coming to church? And uh, they said, Well, I go, actually go to about five churches. I said, oh, how's that working out for you? <laughs> you know, that's not ideal. That's not, that's not the best way to do it. Why? So you can be accountable to no one, committed nowhere, serve nowhere, give nowhere, just kind of floating, you know. I'm not telling, saying people aren't welcome here no matter what stage of life they're in, but you really want to be a blood clot. Uh, You know, know, floating around and causing pain wherever you stop. (laughs) I think it's better, more ideal, God's ultimate design, that we be connected in families. And that there be bond, we have defenders or people we're praying for, they're praying for us. I'm stepping out on, on dangerous territory here. I can see by... See, now that I have this, this little platform down here in front, I can actually see the faces of those who enjoy and those who are in pain right now. Ah, did he really say that? I, I mean it in a good way. Uh, but Proverbs 18 and verse 1 reads, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. So so I don't really need I don't really need people like you're talking about. I'm kind of more of a loner, more I like to be on my own. I know, I know. This describes you. You 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 seek your own desire. That's called selfishness. Everybody smile now. Be happy. (laughs) Just reading the scripture to you. You know, I mean this all in a good way. But you can see the person who is healthy personally. In their walk with God. And then a church that's healthy, they don't think that way. They're not thinking, I just want to do what I want to do. I want to come in when I want to come in. I want to leave when I want to leave. And if I don't want to talk to anyone, I don't want to talk to anyone. I want to be involved in anything. I don't want to, I, I, I just want to come in and, and get what I need. I just want to come in and be fed and worship the Lord and then go out and live my life. Okay, you can do that here. 
You're fine. We're going to let you. You selfish thing. I'm just saying it's not best. It's not God's design that a church would function that way. And the more people who think that way, the more the whole house is not really healthy. But if we think I'm committed to, not only to the Lord, I'm committed to the family. I'm not committed to a building. I'm committed to the people who are the church. Amen, amen. Let me give you one more verse. I'm going to finish up. I preached too long. That means you guys listened too good, I guess. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 reads, Two are better than one because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companions. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though they may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Amen. People who are disconnected, when they fall away, no one knows and no one's there to help. But when people are joined and knit together, there is a flow of God's Spirit through us and among us that strengthens, revives, amen, brings life and health. There are so many benefits. Praise God. Some of the easiest ways around here, a couple of the primary ways that people can be joined and knit together, and it's relational is what I'm talking about, is they either they join one of the teams, one of the ministry teams that are serving all around the church, they, or they, they attend a life group and get in a, in a relational context where they can have people that they know and the others that know them. These are some of the main ways that people get knit together at our, in our house. But I'm saying the more of that we have, the stronger we are. The stronger we are, the better off I am as an individual. The better off you are as a child of God, as, a, as, a, as an individual person. You're just surrounded by people who are full of faith and love. And we're going to walk through this, you know, sometimes valley of, of the shadow of death. And we'll not be afraid. Amen. We're going through this and we're going to make it to the end strong with a smile on our face. Representing God well the whole way through. Amen.